When you stop and think about all that's going on today in the good old USA, you might think that there are only two sides to every story. With over 330 million citizens, there are actually many more sides to our American story. On this program, I provide you with a different point of view. Mine. This is The Truth Hurts, a program where I exercise my First Amendment right to free speech by providing you with information. Hopefully, you will absorb this knowledge, stop, and actually think about the issues, the facts, and the general state of our American story. I'm Steve Z, and this is the Truth Hurts Program. The best part of waking up is listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. It is not a cup of coffee. Well, good afternoon, everybody. It is Wednesday, September 2nd, 2020. This is the Truth Hurts program. I've got a lot to talk about today, both political as well as personal, and I think you might want to stick around for that. Before I go to my very first short break, I would like to say I am fairly certain that we are coming out of the COVID-19 lockdown process. Everyone always says, follow the money, and I'm following it right to the mailbox. Today in the mail, two promotional offers from Carnival Cruise Lines wanting to have me book some very near-date travel with them. Also... Several emails from Southwest, United, and American Airlines, as well as my travel agent, telling me, now's the time to start thinking about. And then, one from the Sun RV Resort communities. As you know, I have the RV, and I do travel around quite frequently, saying, why wait till 2021 to enjoy the good life? Come early and extend your January getaway at your favorite Florida snowbird destination. Book now, get here early. Yep, I think it's getting ready to open up, folks. Whether Gropey Joe steals the election or Donald Trump wins in a landslide, you can't lock down a consumer-based economy for very long. As the economy collapses in Democrat-controlled cities and states... And while proof of economic recovery is being seen every day, today, by the way, the stock market is rallying up over 300 points as of 1 p.m. Central Time today. As the stock market continues to recover, the employment in America continues to recover. Manufacturing uh, continues to recover. I see they can't hold Americans down for very much longer. Something else I just saw online was a news article saying that the Trump administration is now canceling the contract for 120,000 ventilators. And of course, they're doing this to A, save the taxpayers money because we know they didn't need all of those ventilators. We know that. Remember when Cuomo begged for more and more ventilators? Oh my God, I'm putting all these old people with COVID-19 into nursing homes and they're going to die and they're going to end up needing ventilators and you ain't doing anything. 
Guess what? We didn't need the damn ventilators. So the government is not spending the extra money to buy more ventilators that we simply do not need. Now, you would think the Democrats would be going, well, that was a smart thing to do. But instead, they're politicizing it. They're saying, you're just trying to save money because you overpaid your buddies to build them to begin with. And now you're you're getting caught with your hand in a cookie jar and you're canceling them. And you have idiots like the governor of New York saying, well, what if we need them in the future? Well, I don't know what to tell you, folks. The president and the administration are doing the proper austerity measures in canceling the contract to build 120,000 additional non-needed ventilators. And that's the right thing to do. But the Democrats will make a political issue out of anything. As a matter of fact, I heard someone tell me once, if Donald Trump walked up and handed a young woman a bouquet of flowers to congratulate her for winning a beauty pageant, the Democrats would complain that he's sexualizing a woman, he's propositioning a woman, and those poor plants will not be able to produce oxygen anymore because the evil Donald Trump cut the plants down for their flowers. They just don't get it. This is the Truth Hurts program. We'll be right back. You know those thoughts that are eating away at your brains? Steve Z is letting them out. Refreshing, isn't it? This is the Truth Hurts program. Well, hello, everybody. From the front seat of the old pickup truck, this is the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z. Yes, I'm out and about today and thought I'd share a few thoughts that very many of my listeners have echoed in commentary to me. Number one, Donald Trump was correct when he said that some older and some homegrown treatments would be the best way to cure or at least properly address the COVID-19 pandemic. A recent study published today says that three steroids have reduced by 36% the number of deaths associated with COVID-positive patients. Hmm, imagine that. The hydroxychloroquine is not one of the steroids, but it is making a resurgence as a possible cure, a possible treatment, with more and more medical professionals getting on board saying, yes, that stuff really does work. Gropey Joe B. Hyden, I like that Trump is calling him Joe Hyden because the man rarely shows his face in public. Joe B. Hyden is rearing his ugly head again in public And he appeared today in none other than Kenosha, Wisconsin, the same city where he complained that Donald Trump visited and called it politically motivated. Now he is politically motivated to visit the same city. Whereas he called Trump's visit, which was in support of law enforcement, support of the people of Kenosha, Wisconsin, having to deal with riots, not peaceful protests, Joe Biden is having to actually admit now because his campaign is forcing him to do so, that these are not 
peaceful protests. Oh, Joe Biden. He actually was doing a press conference at the beginning of my taping of this show and was getting some very softball questions from the media and speaking very slowly as if he has a monitor in his ear so that he can get the answers wait a minute wait a minute get get the a- answers uh, fed 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 to him through his um through his earpiece yeah that's about right anyhow they'll never ask joe biden any of the really important questions like how dare you joe biden bribe the ukrainian president if he didn't fire the prosecutor who was looking into your son Hunter's illegal dealings. How dare you extort that president using taxpayer funds? How dare you do that, Mr. Vice President? They didn't give him any hardball questions saying, are you really as demented and senile as we all know you to be? Nope. Just real easy questions. Another thing about mopey-dopey-gropey Joe Biden is that he actually came out and admitted today during that press conference that he and Barack Hussein Obama during their administration used the stimulus that they proposed, which was supposed to be for shovel-ready jobs, remember? But that they actually diverted those stimulus dollars to public unions like the teachers union, the police union, the SEIU, and other unions to pander for Democrat votes and to help keep those union members employed during Obama's terrible economic downturn. You see, it was all a you scratch my back, I'll scratch your balls kind of thing. Biden and Obama took stimulus money, $800 million of stimulus money, and funneled it directly to unions to keep those union employees working during the global meltdown of the economy fostered by Obama. And therefore, if those union employees remained employed, a portion of their paycheck went to, you guessed it, you crazy maniac, it went to union dues. Those union dues, of course, are funneled to a certain percent, directly back to the Democrat National Committee. So it was indeed a de facto money laundering operation disguised as the stimulus program that Barack Hussein Obama and gropey, touchy-feely Joe Biden concocted and cooked up in order to help them to get reelected during Obama and Biden's second term and to keep other Democrats in the running for local, state, county, and other races. Yes, they finally admitted it today. Joe Biden admitted it. More and more evidence is mounting that Donald J. Trump will win the November election in a landslide. And I say this because the Democrats know for sure 
that Joe Biden is senile, is in the beginning, if not the advanced stages of dementia. They know that this 78-year-old man will not win the White House. So they forced him to pick Kamala Harris, you know, the first one of Biden's contenders for the Democrat nomination to quit before a single vote was cast in a single primary. Kamala Harris had zero shot of winning legitimately. She had zero shot of being voted into the office of president. So what better dupe, clown, substitute could they stick in the vice presidential nomination than Kamala, I'm not really African-American, Harris? They know they're going to lose. They know they're going to lose big time. And they know she was unelectable because she couldn't even make it to the first primary. She couldn't make it to the first primary. She quit at the urging of the Democrats because she is a loser. She can't win. So let's give you a booby prize. We'll make you the Democrat nominee for vice president under a guy we know has no shot of winning because he can't string two sentences together coherently. Yes, when Biden and Harris lose, the Democrats will be able to cry foul and call everyone who votes for Trump a racist because they didn't vote for a black woman who really isn't a black woman. They'll call them racist and they'll continue the next four years under the second term of Donald Trump calling Republicans racists. It's all part of an orchestrated plan. And this way they get to save face as the Democrat Party. They'll be able to say, well, Donald Trump stole this election like he stole the last one. And therefore, there will be absolutely no credibility afforded to Donald Trump for his second term, just as there was no credibility afforded to Donald Trump by the Democrats for his first term. We're going to try and jump back into the studio for the next segment. Stick around. This is the Truth Hurts program. Today, of course, is Wednesday, September 2nd, 2020. We'll be right back. Putting things into perspective and doing it with style. This is the Truth Hurts program. Here's your host, Steve Z. Okay, back in the studio now. I have a question for anyone who is foolish enough to think that the left stands for anyone or anything other than radical change away from what America is and what America has been and what America has stood for since its very founding. That question is this. Where the hell are Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in response to the devastation surrounding Hurricane Laura? Why are these two asshats not down visiting the people of Louisiana and Texas in the aftermath of a deadly Cat 4 hurricane? Could their absence be the result of them simply not giving a damn about real people and what they're going through? You know, real struggles? Could their obvious absence simply be 
that a real disaster occurred and they don't care because they'd rather be involved in the manufactured, man-caused, Democrat Party uh, manufactured and designed disasters that they have supported? Or could it be that they realize that Texas is a red state and a large portion of Louisiana is truly conservative and they simply don't want to waste their time down here in the redneck South? How can anyone even think about voting for these asshats? The media says nothing at all about these obvious absences. Donald Trump goes to Kenosha to spread a message of hope and peace and unity and support for law enforcement and support for civilized society. And the media climbs all over him, saying he's just there to stir up crap. Trump goes to Louisiana to tour the hurricane damage, to meet with the first responders, the victims, and show true care, compassion, and concern. And the media spends all of 10 seconds showing him on the ground at a table and claims he's only there as a campaign stop. The BM movement, I'm sorry, that's bowel movement. I mean, the BLM movement, oh, turns out it's the same thing. The BLM movement injures over 1,000 cops, thousands of citizens, kills 36 people, and does over $8 billion in damage, and they get celebrated by sports teams, coaches, athletes, and the media and the Democrat leaders praise BLM and these other radical leftist rioting organizations and anarchists, just like the teams celebrating the thugs, the criminals, the sexual predators by placing the names of one of those pieces of crap on their helmets. What the hell is this world coming to? Meanwhile, the thugs, the criminals, the anarchists, the BLM clowns, the Antifa idiots, and the other paid protesters are out there given a free pass to destroy, to burn, to assault, to murder, to graffiti, to smash and damage. And they were celebrated by the media. They were heralded as heroes by the media and by the likes of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and the Democrat governors and mayors in the seven blue states where all this crap is going on. That is until, of course, the polling numbers started to drop, the ratings started to drop, and real Americans started to question why and how we can let this destruction continue. Once the real Americans realize that this isn't Donald Trump's doing, this is only happening in Democrat-controlled cities, Democrat-run states, and being heralded by who? Who? The Democrats! Now, months into the destruction, a few leftist Democrats are beginning to call out that destruction. Now, a few months after the devastation caused by the rioters, who are not peaceful protesters... Some of the media is starting to realize that real Americans do not condone or accept this animal behavior. Yet, the media, who was so quick to praise and honor and glorify thugs like the criminal George Floyd and the sexual predator child rapist Jacob Blake, that same media is now very quick to vilify people like Kyle Rittenhouse and Nick Sandman. You remember Nick Sandman? High school kid, Catholic school, nation's capital, falsely accused of inciting violence against a Native American man. And it turns out that that was the exact opposite of what was happening. 
And the media had to settle with him for millions of dollars, or at least that's what we're presuming it was, because of the gag order put in place as a condition of accepting the settlement for defamation. That same media praises the actual criminals and even makes sure everyone sees Blake's name on NFL helmets. And they watch as Nick Saban marches out across the field in a BLM-supported protest. The same time, they call Kyle Rittenhouse a murderer. They lied and said he murdered, quote, unarmed protesters, unquote, even when their own photographs of one of the victims, the thugs, was clearly a protester armed with a handgun. Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old, was clearly defending himself when you watch the entire video sequence, which makes the action of him shooting the violent rioters who were attacking him indeed self-defense and therefore justified. Rittenhouse had earlier that day helped to clean up graffiti. He was also asked to help protect a local business. He was not part of any militia as opposed to the lies the media told people about. You see, the cops had moved the police line, leaving Rittenhouse and others vulnerable and exposed as mobs of rioters approached him and another photojournalist. Rittenhouse had actually taken a first aid kit downtown to assist rioters who might have been injured. He says he took a firearm with him because indeed that area was a war zone and he wanted to protect himself. The media and the left again lied, saying that a 17-year-old should not have had a handgun. Wrong! Wisconsin, you idiots, is an open-carry state. And as a 17-year-old, Rittenhouse was legally allowed to carry a weapon in Wisconsin. Remember, you can be tried as an adult for raping someone at 17. Oh, unless your name is Jacob Blake, I guess, and then you can just rape little children all you want, and it's okay. The left then said that Rittenhouse illegally brought the weapon across state lines. Again, wrong. They have no proof of that, no evidence whatsoever. And in fact, he got that weapon in Wisconsin. The thugs that were attacking Kyle Rittenhouse are actually the bad guys here, but the left and the media are silent about those facts. In fact, the first shot that Rittenhouse fired was into the head of convicted pedophile Joseph Rosenbaum, who was leading the mob in hunting down of Kyle Rittenhouse and other people who were opposing the protest. Kyle Rittenhouse became trapped on the wrong side of a moving police line, and when he tried to get back to the police line for his own safety, he fell to the ground and three other rioters attacked him. One of them was brandishing a handgun, and Kyle Rittenhouse fired in self-defense, using precise mastery and control of his self-defense handgun. He didn't fire randomly into the crowd and injure a bunch of other people. He defended himself. And as the old meatloaf, uh, meatloaf song would say, two out of three ain't bad. He killed two of the three that he shot, and all three were convicted criminals. Think about it. Listen. 
Listening to the Truth Hurts program is the highlight of my day. Okay, it really is not, but that's what Steve Z told me to say. I am not oppressed because I am a computer. On a personal note, a different topic, a very personal one, you may know that my eldest son, Jonathan, passed away less than a month ago at the very young age of 30. Now, I won't go into the details as it's not anything I wish to do at this time. However, I do want to share a bit of information with all of you, especially anyone who is dealing with the tragic loss of a loved one. The grieving process is completely and totally different for each and every human being. Let's get that straight. Every single person grieves and mourns differently. No two people grieve in the same way. No two people have the exact shared experience with the lost loved one. So no two people can truly understand exactly what the mourning party is experiencing. Now, I've seen scientific, medical, and psychological documentation on how the human beings process grief in general. I've seen the seven steps of grieving, the 10 steps of grieving, the 12 steps of grieving. I've seen spiritual and religious texts regarding grief and the mourning process. And of course, I've heard from countless friends, co-workers, listeners, neighbors, relatives, and others on their views of how I should be handling my grief. And trust me, I truly appreciate all the kind words, the well-wishers, and anything I can do's that I get from all of you. But sometimes we just need some alone time. Alone to our own thoughts, our memories, our need for self-reflection. Everyone goes through the thought process of what could I have done or how could I have done this differently or what if this or what if that or shoulda, woulda, coulda. Everyone goes through the anger phase, anger at oneself for not being there or not doing enough or not whatever. Anger at the deceased for not telling us that they needed this or that or they were suffering from this condition or that situation. There's also the sadness, the deep feeling of loss, of emptiness, and all the things you wanted to do with that person that can never now ever happen. Grief? Mourning? It sucks big time, let me tell you. And time is what the grieving survivors need. Now, the amount of time, of course, varies, but time eventually does and will heal all wounds. The sting, that stabbing, piercing hurt, is still fresh after the recent loss of Jonathan. But in contrast, some of you already know, I lost my own father as a young teenager myself, and that hurt, that feeling of loss, has indeed healed over time. Over 41 plus years of time, in fact, and yes, I still miss my dad. I wish my dad could have been around to see my three kids being born, educated, going on vacations, doing their own things growing up, having their own lives. The hurt over the loss of my dad over 41 years ago is far less stabbing right now than the recent loss of my son less than a month ago. That hurt, I imagine, will be here for a very, very long time. To those of you dealing with loss, with tragedy, with grief, I suggest you look up, pick up a copy of a really good publication written by Dr. Gail Gross, G-R-O-S-S. It's called The Only Way Out is Through. Now, I know books on grief usually fall into two categories, either memoir or science, either religion or medical. 
They're either very statistical or they're very spiritual. Now, this particular book by Dr. Gail Gross called The Only Way Out is Through is an inspiring story with some analytical psychology that helped Dr. Gross herself re-enter life after mourning the loss of a loved one. It is a 10-step journey from grief to wholeness. My own interpretation of grief is that it's a tunnel, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. My thoughts are that the only way to get to that light at the end of the tunnel is to walk through that dark tunnel, hoping and knowing that the light on the other side is indeed healing and good. Do you ever hear someone say they wish they could fast forward to the end of a bad situation? You ever hear someone say they wish they could just go to sleep and then wake up after all the bad stuff is over? How about, have you ever heard, I wish I could fly away and come back when this issue has passed? Now, wouldn't that be awesome? Of course, none of those things are possible. For the one who fast forwards through that movie will never truly realize how they got to the ending, to the healing. The person who went to sleep and woke up will still have that sorrow waiting upon their awakening. And the problem will still be waiting at gate C for the person who flew away from the situation as soon as they return. It'll be waiting for them. We must all go through the pain to get to the other side of the pain. Now you could try sweeping that pain under the rug, but that's simply kicking the can down the road. When you sweep it under the rug, there's always that lump under the rug waiting to be removed. And that lump today will turn into a mountain tomorrow, the longer you wait to go through it. Putting off the grief process only makes things worse. It compounds it. It adds to it. It magnifies and amplifies it. Going through that tunnel is indeed painful, but it is necessary. There are a few steps you can take to make the journey through the tunnel a little more bearable. First, don't think too far ahead. Worry about today. Tomorrow will come. What-ifs and immediacy are not good for your mind or your healing process. It's like eating an elephant. How do you do it? One bite at a time. So how do you get through that tunnel? How do you get through the tunnel of pain to get to the light of healing on the other side? Simple. One step at a time. Don't ignore what you are feeling. Feelings are what they are. Don't pretend the feelings are not there or they're not real. They are real. They are there. Let yourself feel the feelings, and this will help you to process them quicker than putting them under a blanket. Emotions are energy in motion, thus E, energy, motion, emotion. Set some boundaries. Control the negatives. Don't allow negative people into the tunnel with you. They will only make that walk longer and more painful. Surround yourself with compassionate, caring, and loving people. Stay the hell off of social media. There's not a more negative place on this planet than the depths of social media. It's like taking that walk through the dark tunnel barefoot on hot coals and razor blades. Social media is. Don't beat yourself up with the guilt or the negative feelings of what if. Be kind to yourself. Understand that there are others here grieving with you depending upon you, and counting on you. Set goals on how you want to move forward, how you want to get through that tunnel, 
and then work daily to take whatever steps you can muster to walk towards the light of healing on the other end of that tunnel. The light is waiting on the other side, but you have to take the steps to get through it. Because indeed, the only way out, the only way out is through. I appreciate you all listening for just a few moments. This is the Truth Hurts Program. We'll see you next time. You have been listening to the Truth Hurts Program with your host, Steve Z. Thank you for listening. We hope that this presentation has enlightened you to the things that may have been hidden from you. This is where we bring darkness to light, turn fiction into reality, and exercise our First Amendment right to free speech. Here is where the double standard is exposed and displayed for all to see. We sincerely hope that we've helped you to open your eyes to what's going on in the real world. The Truth Hurts program is produced at Studio 63 in Bayou Country, in affiliation with Steve Knight Productions. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. No animals were harmed in the making of this program. It is fact. It is real. It is truth. And sometimes, the truth hurts. Hurts.